Matthew chapter 9. Um, Jesus is talking to the disciples. And here's what he says to them, beginning in verse 35. Then Jesus went to all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, crowds, multiple, actually sometimes thousands of people would gather around him, crowds, he felt compassion for them because they were weary and worn out. Two amazing terms to describe the people he encountered on a regular basis. They were weary and worn out. That sound like you sometimes? Just weary and worn out? Man, I'm tired. But he saw some that were spiritually weary. They'd been trying to figure out how to be right with God on their own. They were trying to figure out how to find favor with God and didn't know how. They were trying to keep rules and regulations that had been passed on by religious people. And they were exhausted from trying to be right with God. And nothing has, was working. And so he was now compassionate on their weariness and their tiredness. He said, you're like sheep without a shepherd. Now we know he says he's the good shepherd. He's come to save us, to die for us. He said, I, I see that you need something to happen. All these people that had an interest, but had no intimacy with God. Well... Here's what he says. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest. In other words, he said, I want you to pray to the Lord of the harvest that he'll fire up people to come and help bring in the harvest because the harvest is abundant. Do you know in, in Floyd County, 70% of our population is unchurched? 70%. That's a pretty abundant harvest. It's also that way across the state of Georgia. What an amazing thing to realize that we are a place in the middle of an awesome, abundant harvest. We just need workers because God still does what he always does. He still touches lives, convicts people, and uses other people to bring them into the light. And so we just need to join with him. I put in your notes, God will use everyday, ordinary people for extraordinary ministry. God knows our potential and what we can become. Our part in this is experiencing effective ministry. Our part is commitment. Commitment. Whether you've been in church a long time, old person, senior adult, medium adult, young adult, teenagers, college students. Single adults. The challenge for every single one of us, regardless of age or where we are in life, is commitment. I mean, that's what people want. We understand that's what the life requires, but also God requires commitment. And so, what is that? How does that work? What does it look? Because he's saying to the guys, I want you to commit to being the harvest. I want you guys to commit to do something extraordinary. Nothing quite like that. Well, how does that work? Well, first of all, let's look at the place of commitment. The place of commitment is the heart. That's where it all starts. The heart. Heart is the seat of your emotions. It's how you feel and think about things. It's how you process things based on intellect, feeling, and, and just kind of an unction inside. The heart's where all the battles are fought, guys. 
That's where we battle all kind of stuff. Do you know the heart is a place where the heaviest battles are fought regularly? Moving forward with God is often preceded by burdensome battles within our heart. You guys know, if you're heading off to college, some of you guys are fixing to head off in a matter of days. You will enter a campus and you'll begin to fight a whole different kind of battles. You're... Uh, you will be challenged in so many ways in the classroom on what you believe and how you, how you process education. You'll be taught some things that are contrary to Christianity. It'll become a battle for you. You'll have uh, new friends that'll have different ideas and philosophies and it'll become a battle for you. It really will. You, and whether you'll ever admit it or not, you're going to miss mom and dad. I know you're not going to say, oh, I'm not going to miss, I can't wait. I know. But who's going to do your laundry? Really? I mean, so you're going to go, man, I miss them. Life will have battles in it. You guys, starting a new school year, you will fight battles in your heart all the time about who you should date, where you should go, how you should behave. Because now you got some freedom. Some of you got more freedom than those because of age. But you're going to say, well, mom and dad aren't always here. What am I going to do on Friday night? What am I going to do? My friends. What kind of friends will I have? You'll fight these battles. What do I really believe about faith? You'll fight those battles. In the heart. Or sometimes you'll be praying for God to come through and he hasn't quite come through. And you'll fight those battles. You'll wonder where he is. you wonder if he's close. You'll fight those battles. Commitment starts always on the battlefield of the heart. What I'm going to do? Am I going to believe God? Am I going to move with God? Am I, am I going to go forward with God? Am I going to be faithful to God? That's where it all starts. No exceptions. No free passes. That's where it all starts. For a guy named Moses who was uh, raised in Pharaoh's house and, and found himself uh, in a bad situation, he killed a guy, lost his temper, killed an Egyptian and the Hebrew brothers saw him, and when he came to correct them because they were fighting, they said, we saw you kill the Egyptian, and it scared him. And he ran to the wilderness and on the, was hid out in the wilderness for 40 years. After 40 years of being there, he was now 80 years old. And, and then he looks over there, and he sees a bush that is burning but not being consumed. Now, a burning bush is not extraordinary, but the fact that it's not snap, crackle, pop, and withering is. It was not being consumed. And so he now has said, I've got to go look at this. I've never seen anything like this. So he moves over to look at this bush, and before he gets too close, a voice comes out of the bush. Now, that's real unusual. And he says, whoa, don't come any closer. You're on holy ground. He took his sandals off and, and began to realize that this was a God moment in his life. You guys are going to have several God moments in your lives. In middle school, high school, college campus, technical school, you're going to have God moments all the time. 
embrace them. Adults, man, we're going to have God moments all the time. And so he said, I I had this God moment, and and now out of the bush comes a voice, and I want you to go back. I'm aware of the suffering and the pain of my people in Egypt. I'm aware of what they're going through, the burden they're under, the the tragedy in which they live. Kind of like the people around us today that are under the bondage of sin. They live in a a life filled with suffering and, and bondage and domination. Oh, they may look like they're having a great time, but they're being destroyed on the inside. And so he says, I see what's going on, so I'm going to send someone. Well, he said, Moses, I'm going to send you back to deliver them. For us, he sent Jesus to die on the cross to save us from our bondage and deliver us from sin. So he sent Moses to go back and say, I want you to let my people, tell, people, tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And guess what? Moses said, you bet, I'm ready, can't wait. No, he had to battle this thing out. The first thing he did was begin to wrestle with it in his heart, going, oh, no, no. Man, you don't know my past. Yeah, I know your past. I know what you did. I know you killed a guy. I know you lost your temper, but I spent 40 years trying to get that out of you and change you. He said, I want you to go. And he said, I, can't, I just can't. He said, I'll go with you. Okay. Well, suppose they don't believe me. Suppose they don't want to listen to me. He said, well, I'm going to give you a sign. And they'll believe you. And then he comes the third time and says, look, I'm wrestling with this. I don't know that I can do this. I don't know that I want to do this. I I don't know that I should do this. So uh, let me tell you, I'm just not eloquent in my speech. I'm not a really good communicator. And the Lord said, "I'll, I'll be with you. I'll give you the words to say. Don't worry about it. I got it covered. I'll provide for you. You know, that was my very excuse uh, 35 years ago. I wrestled with my call in the ministry from 1975 through 1976. I wrestled with it, tried to say no, wasn't sure. I gave all, all the reasons. I remember saying to God, I'm really not good. I am not a good communicator. I hate public speaking. I don't like it. Scared to death, terrified. And I finally said, Lord, I, I just don't know that I'll have enough to say. And I'll never forget when he told me, I will always give you something to say. And for 35 years, he has. I say that because he'll always give you something to say because he's never exhausted of what needs to be said. He's God. He will give you things to say to your buddies at school, the college campus, the workplace, the the ball fields. He does it. All the excuses and reasons we can say no to God are not enough to exempt us from his purpose for our lives. <coughs> it's where the winners are separated from the whiners. Winners go, let's do it. Whiners go, ah, it won't work. We can't do it. I'm, yeah, I don't know. When you decide in the heart, you rest in the heart whether you're going to move in the direction God wants you to move or you're going to not. And those who don't usually end up whining all the time. Whine about this and whine about that. We can't. It's too hard. Not able. But the winners go, yeah, God's God, man. We can do this. We can do this. We can, we can, we can do what we need to do. You know, and uh, when Moses led them out of Egypt and they 
they, they went to the edge of the promised land and they went to conquer and he sent out 12 spies. And 12 spies, they came back and said, man, it's great. It's everything God said it was, man. The grapes are wonderful. The fruit's outstanding. It flows with milk and honey. Everything's there. It's wonderful. The soil's great. But, wow. Now, God already said, I'm going to give it to you. And yet, 10 spies said, we can't do it. We just can't do it. Two spies said, oh, yeah, we can. We're able. The other guy said, no, we're not. No, we've looked at it. We've observed it. We've processed it. We've battled in our heart. We thought about this all the way back. What are we going to tell y'all? We're going to tell y'all we can't. And two said, but we can, we can, we can. The other guys were whining. The other two said, no, we can do this. And then they said, the other two saw the size of God. The other ten saw the size of the giants. And they said, oh, they're too big. They're too strong. They got great walls. We just can't. We're just, we're just stuck in the wilderness. Wine, wine, wine. Two guys said, oh, yeah, we can. Let's get it done. But they chose not to go. And they spent 40 years whining in the wilderness. But the two guys who said, I see the size of our God. They got to go and conquer the land. They got to go and seize the moment because that's where the battles are fought and that's where it's separated in the heart. It is where God reveals himself to be enough. Man, it's where God says, I can do everything you need. I've got it covered if you'll just commit. God is enough to save us from the penalty and power of sin. God is enough to supply resources to serve him. God is enough to sustain us as we serve him. God is enough to secure us for an eternity with him. God's just enough. And you don't find that out till you step out in commitment. You don't know that on, on the doubt side or on the fear side. You don't ever get that. But when you step out and cross the line of commitment to really live for Christ, to be the witness for Christ, to, to, to be light in the world of darkness, then you understand he's enough. He always is enough. I mean, we'll battle a lot of stuff. We will battle. You guys are going to battle who you date. And it's a battle. Because there's someone God's picked out for you don't mess it up with bad decisions. Understand. Understand. What he may be leading you to do, you may, he may say, man, you need to say no to this. You may let this pass. But they look so good. I got it, I got it, I got it. Yeah. But beauty's only skin deep. How about the heart? How about the heart? Guys, I'm telling you, you learn that God's enough when you step across and come in and say, I'm going to be what I'm going to be the young man of God, the young woman of God you want me to be. I'm going to be the man of God, the woman of God you want me to be. I'm going to be what you want me to be. That's what happens in the heart. And then it lives out in your life. Okay? And so, but, but let me move on. The process of commitment begins with a challenge followed by change and finally making a choice. Do you know what's incredible about this? As he's talking to the disciples, they're not farmers. They're fishermen and a tax collector. And, a, and they come from different walks. But the, the thing of, he said, I want you guys to go out and work the fields. 
But we've been fishermen. You said we're going to catch, we're going to catch men. We are going to catch men, but you're going to catch them like a harvest. Imagine trying to get these fishermen to go understand, hey, I want you to go out and plant seed and plow and then re- pick up the harvest. I was sort of harvest. This harvest involves several things. You've got to plant the seed. You've got to break up the ground, plant the seed, uh, and water the seed, and then you collect the fruit. That's what a harvest is. He said, I want you to go and get ready to work in the fields. And I know that there's not a lot of you, so I want you to pray that God would fire more people up to do that. My challenge to you today is that God would fire you up to get in the field. That's it. That's why I'm standing here today. I just want him to fire you up and get you in the field. Some way, somehow. Some way, somehow. I, I, just, I, I just want you to do that. And so looking at this, he gave them a challenge to go work in the harvest. He gives you a challenge. He gives me a challenge. Everyone in this room, young and old, he gives a challenge that you work out in your heart. The challenge would be to become, right now I'm going to challenge you to be a part of faith for the next semester. 13 weeks on Monday night, start 5.30. We come, we will train you. You go out as a, as a learner. You'll be in the hands of very capable leaders that will not ever put you in the way of embarrassment or put you out in a bad way. They're just going to be your teacher and your mentor and, and your model. And you're going to learn how to share your testimony with, with others and how to really touch people's lives for 13 weeks. You say, well, I can't make all 13 weeks. Well, we, 75% is okay. We understand that. Life's tough. I get that. We're not going to find you if you miss a week. Okay. But I want you to know that you got an opportunity. It's a challenge to do something. But I want you to look at the card. There's a challenge to be a team learner, first-time or second-time people in faith, an assistant team leader. You've already been trained. You're ready to kind of help uh, or be a team leader. Either one, you can be a team leader. And then commit to ask a key question to someone once a week for this session. Listen, this is very important. How many of you have been trained in faith? Stand up. If you've been trained in faith, stand up. Everybody stand up and trained in faith. Everybody. Stand up. Stand up. 830 crowd was awesome. Almost, almost all the 830 crowd. So here's what I want you to know, a lot of people over the process. I have figured that we have 150 people that have been trained in faith. That means they've been share, trying how to share their story, uh, how the, their testimony, and how to present the gospel. 150 people times 13. Do you realize if you, I'm asking you not to do the 13-week session showing up on Monday night because you may not can this time. I'm asking, I'm praying that many will because we need to go out and win some people to Jesus. We need to be out there planting the seed and watering the seed. But not everybody can do that. But you've been trained. You've been given something. And what, what God's given you, he expects you to use. So I'm going to challenge you, if you would make a commitment, to be available to share your testimony, invite someone to church, or ask the key question in your personal opinion, what do you understand it takes for a person to go to heaven? Once a week. Once a week. Do you realize if we did that, over 13 weeks, we'd have 1,950 touches with people. That's awesome. That boggles the mind. Just under 2,000 people will be touched with an invitation to come to church, hear your story, or be asked a key question upon which will cause them to begin to think. And you may begin a relationship that may take years to come to a harvest. Like my good friend Mark Gray started years ago talking to him about Jesus, a little at a time, a little at a time, a little at a time. 
Our kids played ball together, so I got to talk to him once or twice a week. Then one day we played vacation. I was on vacation. We played golf three days. And build up. And then one day, years passed, he gave his heart to Jesus. Now he's been out winning people to Jesus ever since. Will you build the relationships by asking questions, by just showing an interest? You say, well, what happens if I miss a week? You're not going to lose your salvation. Okay? It ain't like, well, that's it for you, man. I'm taking you home. No. I mean, every once in a while I miss a meal because I get busy, but I eat the next meal. You understand? So if I don't do it this week, I'll, I'll get it next week. I mean, I, 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 will, I, or, or I may do two next week because God provides the opportunity. If you don't provide the opportunity, don't worry about it. But I believe if you say, God, I want to do this, God's going to set the door for you, man. He's going to open the door. He's going to give you the opportunity because he cares about people. You can be seated. I hope you'll do that. Now, I want you to do the 13 weeks on Monday night. But if you say, man, I just can't do that because of this, because I've got that. But God's still giving you something amazing to use and touch people's lives. And you can touch people's lives that our teams won't touch on Monday night. Makes all the difference in the world. That's the challenge. I want to challenge you, man, to come, you know, be a part of the of faith. Set up, step up in Sunday school. Really step up in Sunday school. Uh, there's some classes doing well. You need to uh, probably help some classes that aren't doing so well by, by sending some people over, making some shift changes in, in your attendance to really strengthen what's weak and grow what's strong. I'm challenging you. It's not what we want. It's what God wants. That's tough, isn't it? That's why we battle it in the heart. That's what I want, God. I know that's what you want, but here's what you need. I challenge you to share the load of ministry. Commit to men's ministry for the purpose of building relationships. We've got a lot of things going on with men. Man, we got an archer tournament coming. We've we got a, a conference going on. In a couple of, a couple, it's just a matter of a couple of weeks. If you haven't signed up for that conference, you can still go. Just let me know. Call the office. We'll get you in. Not a problem. You don't want to miss what these guys are going to experience because men need to build relationships. We need each other. We need to grow strong in our faith because the church needs men. The kingdom of God needs men. Now, we love you women, and we're grateful for you women, but you women are actually doing pretty good. Us men, we got to get on board. So I, I, I say that's the challenge. Maybe the challenge is to be resolute. That's a good challenge, isn't it? I thought, sure, I got an amen out of Adam on that. I can't believe it. Brother, you back there sleeping on me. What are you doing? Uh, resolute. Man, that we could be uh, resolute. It's, it's commitment, isn't it? But maybe being resolute on Sunday night to reach a whole different kind of people with a different kind of worship. Man, the challenge is there. As it was in Jesus, they said, I'm telling you guys, get, part, get involved with the harvest. That's all I want you to do. Get involved with the harvest. Whether <laughs> you're young or old. Man, Jesus will take you. There, because of the, of the challenge, he'll, he'll, he'll bring about change when you say yes. He'll change you. Uh, he'll make you different. He'll make you different. He'll transform you. Change comes when we focus on Jesus. Always has. And then there's the choice. Jesus gives all of us a choice, first of all, to know him as Savior and Lord. To finally say yes to the cross and let our sins be forgiven. He gives us that choice. I'm, I'm giving you the opportunity. He invites us. He initiates contact. He initiates the choice. And then we get to say yes. How about today? Have you ever said yes to the cross? 
Have you ever said yes to Jesus? Oh, I've been going to church. Then anyone asked. One of my dearest friends of times past was my basketball coach. I'll never forget. Uh, he told me, he told, I was talking to him one day about Christ. He said, I, I remember when I joined the church. I said, I'm not asked about when you joined church. I want to know when you met Jesus. The choice to know him. The choice to love him after you know him. And the choice to serve him because you know him. Finally making a choice. Commitment's no good without a choice. I got one of my favorite quotes of all time. I love this quote. I put it here so you could put it on your refrigerator or somewhere else where you can ever read it. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred with dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs and comes up short again and again and again because there is no effort without error or shortcoming. But who knows the great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself for a worthy cause. Who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement. And who at the worst, if he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly. So his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls. Who knew neither victory nor defeat. I just want to tell you, I want to be in the arena. I really do quote by Theodore Roosevelt. I want to tell you, I want to be in the arena. May die trying, but it'll be said, I was trying. Jeb Stewart, officer in the Confederate Army, uh, Whenever he'd write General Robert E. Lee, he would always end his correspondence with these words. Yours to count on. Yours to count on. Can we say to God today that I'm yours to count on? I'm yours to count on. No matter how tough the battle no matter how, how challenging the race, I'm yours to count on. I'm with you.